No, I don't know about that, you know. You don't know about what? Being recorded. Bro, how many times are we going to do this, bro? How many times are we going to... I'm going to cinema in, um, in West Croydon. Cinema in West Croydon? Yeah. My friend, she, I had a friend in West Croydon. She, she went to, we went to go to cinema, so I said I can't tell her. There's only one I can think of, and that was ages ago. I think it was like an ABC cinema or something like that. Something like that, yeah. It was ages ago, to be fair. In West Croydon. But in Central Croydon, there's Grants. That's where the View Cinema is. That's Central Croydon. That's more... Yeah, I don't know, man. Whichever one you went to, how was it? I mean, I honestly cannot remember. <laughs> Have you ever been to um, Peckhamplex? Is that Peckham Cinema? yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I was there when it was when they used to serve wings, though. <laughs> Why is that the qualifier factor? <laughs> yeah, because everybody used to mock it, like, oh, so ghetto. <laughs> hey, bro. But you could never get the wings. <sighs> bro, the, the wings go... Wings go stay sold out. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm not even talking. They said, we're out of stock. <laughs> <laughs> they said, there's no more chickens left. <laughs> Kings in South London left, yo. <laughs> like, it was just a. It was because whether you like it or not, wings in the cinema. You're at home now. What do you mean? It bangs. It bangs. It bangs. That idea bangs, bro. Like I, I, I want proper food in cinemas, bro. I've been to so many. Like I like cinema in it. So even okay. when I other countries, I go to the cinema. Okay, where I, I want to see what their cinemas are like. Okay, where else have you been to cinema? Like, you know, you when you go to Dubai, you know, it's, just, it's unnecessary. It's like, nigga, just put the film. Damn, just, just seek and talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, so, okay, so you went to cinema in Dubai. I've never actually done that. Oh, I went to cinema with Dominic Holland and um, uh, Shadia. Okay. How uh, how was it going with them? It was good. We watched um, we watched uh, the film with um, Matthew McConaughey. I forgot the name of the film. Okay. I've been um I've been cinema with Sean Mayo in Birmingham. That was that was intense, bro. We went to watch um Fury, and that's all. That's his stuff, man. When it's about war and why you agreed, <laughs> I would have finessed that so well, bro. You know I'd be looking out to try and hang out with somebody, man. My phone off. I've been missing. Nah, it was the movie was good. Yeah, it's like you're going to go and watch. It's like going to go and watch Star Trek with a Trekkie. That's what it was like watching Fury with him. Like he loves war. It's funny because when we were out there, his son's film was being advertised. Dominic Holland's son. Yeah, Tom Holland. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's that must be mad, you know. Like you used to live in my balls, man. Like he's Spider-Man's dad, do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. It's quite um, interesting. But I've been cinema... Bro, you, you, sometimes you might even have to take on that second-hand pride. Like, you know I'm hanging out with Spider-Man's dad, right? I was just at the movies with him, you know? Yeah, it wasn't. wasn't, wasn't um, it's funny because his son called him while they were filming Uncharted, which is with Mark Wahlberg, which is out in the cinema soon. And he was like, how's the show's going in Dubai? Because, yeah, it's good. I'm having to carry all of them, but it's all right. And so, yeah, Dominic's got really good wit like that. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's funny. very witty, very, very witty. Very, very witty very I told you, did I tell you about the time I went to, um, I went to cinema in Brooklyn? No. Okay, I, w- I went to watch White Chicks. That was the most fun cinema experience I've ever experienced in my life. Yo, 
what I, oh, you know those movies where like in scary movie they'll make fun of the fact that like black people always talking in the cinema yeah, or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. That's real, bro. It's not a stereotype. As far as that, as far as that experience goes, I was like, it's all real, bro. Pe- people were, people were wild, and I loved it. I loved it. People were shouting at the screen. People like you know when when obviously the scenes with um what's this guy's name now um the big guy and the white girls that yo they say oh hell nah ah niggas always be loving these white chicks like i'm like okay i get that but like we watched the movie but that was part of it like nobody looked around like why are you talking it became normal that and then Brooklyn, pardon like in Peckham cinema. I don't know, bro. Maybe, maybe Brad somewhere Boys. else. You watch Bad Boys too. By the time the Will Smith scene was done, one guy was like, "Brat, brat, brat." Hey, we just all started laughing. <laughs> Yo, I mean, that, to be honest, like, okay, when the it's me, my nigga, Fifty Cent and Big, right? When that came on, like people were done their party in the damn <laughs> cinema. <laughs> you know what? Do you know what though? I can understand that. Bro, that moment was fantastic. I mean, that's one of my favorite like cinema going moments of all time. But like, I think um, I think because um, it's a culture in the sense where, you know, what I mean, that's that's how they go cinema, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At home like that, so when they get into that cinema, because let's be honest, white people ain't cute enough to go watch films in that in that Brooklyn cinema. Of course not. No, no, no. They hate that stuff. Man. They try to they try to watch it quietly. They try. <laughs> you see that? Who's it that did the joke about how white people measure the distance from the screen? They do. <laughs> they test for test for wind. <laughs> I think it was Mark. I think it was Mark Curry. That was a black comic, kid. I think it was Mark Curry. Yeah, the yeah. only black comic would, would do observational comedy like that. Mark <laughs> would measure the distance from the screen. There's something, there's something in that comedy that I'm trying to dissect because I was watching Carlos um, the other day. Carlos yeah, great stage presence and everything like that. Always, always. But um, the joke was about white people die. They don't. They didn't know that black people don't die. And so you do the first rant, which is you know. <sighs> episode of Google Box I would like to see a cinema full of the band that watches Schindler's List but here's the thing it'd be interesting to see how they respond to Roots then in that cinema if okay. like a slave movie for instance would you, mm. would you think there'd be energy or would there be anger in that because I would hate to be in the cinema and it's anger mm. fuck these white people man okay <laughs> whoa 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, we don't know what's going on right? I'm plus 
there's probably no white people around, so we're going to channel that anger. Bruh, I was there for Get Out. I watched Get Out twice. I watched it in LA, and I watched it in Streatham. And the one, I think... The, that was obviously that had some racial undertones so it's not as deep as a slavery movie but the thing that was interesting about both experiences was that by the end and I guess this is a testament to how well the story is written everybody was cheering for Daniel's character everybody was relieved everybody felt the pain of like when the police like showed up is it, Everyone, is it did they feel pain or was it guilt I didn't think it was guilt. I thought, I thought everyone just rallied around a human story. Everyone was like, I see this guy's put in a terrible situation and you see the police like, show up and you feel that dread because you know what that means for him as a That's character. I, I was like, kill white people. No, I mean, you know that scene at the end where he's yeah. killed everybody and then the police like, show up? Yeah. And you're supposed to think, oh, no, this nigga's going to go to jail. It looks bad, blah, blah, blah. Did you feel that? No. You didn't feel that initial dread, like, oh, the police. And then and then you see no. Lil Rel show up. Who cares if he goes to jail? He's just killed a whole house of white people. <laughs> like, you're supposed to go to jail. <laughs> like, I didn't care if he went. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't want... Wow. Because the truth is this. The truth is this. If if Even if you'd killed that whole family, there is, a, there is a chance you will go to jail. Because you've murdered four people. He didn't murder them. He just killed everybody in self-defense. Okay. Everybody in self-defense, man. Everybody. Everybody. A whole, a whole white family. Dog, you do at least five. You're going to take five. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Oh, do this five. Do this five. We're going to get you right, though. We're going to get you right. They cannot send out a message that it's okay to kill white people in self-defense. They can't send out a message like that. Because white people just go crazy. <laughs> So, you know, but what I'm saying, and, and I, I didn't feel, because, like, you know, I understand what you mean. Because after, I think it was after 12, no, not after 12 years of slave, after Django, and the lights come on in the cinema, and I saw a group of white people huddled together and they were crying. Wow. And, and you, this is when I knew I'm such a comedian. Because I just wanted to go over there, it ain't real, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> really don't need to be crying in the cinema like this <laughs> you know, i was supposed to tell them bro i didn't even believe it there's no way about it man it's cool this you know? guy you're saying else though <laughs> yeah i like i like i like yeah well, an interesting spin on the cinema experience i mean we could talk about our black people like to talk in the cinema what about the white people that like to go and shoot up the cinema Golly, did we... when, um, was the batman that came out and this motherfucker dressed up in the batman costume and threw tear gas into the cinema. That's when I drew the lines. Like, <laughs> I can understand being sharp in the cinema. No motherfucker throw tear gas. Oh my goodness. Say you. Tear gas in there. You've got guns. You don't need to set the scene. <laughs> and do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? For a moment, there was someone in that cinema thinking. Oh, they're making this realistic. This is nice. This is nice. <laughs> the moment the brothers died, and, and we thank God, we thank God for, for God's protection, man, because I can't imagine the pandemonium and the panic. Yeah. That kind of an experience. And and, and this guy was off his nut. And why Bruh. would you do that? Bro, it makes no sense. You can't make sense of it, man. It makes no sense. It was I wild. Human beings should have guns at all. 
this is it. The problem is it's already out there. So now you're not dealing with an ideal situation. You're dealing with the reality of it. No. And just because an idiot with a gun, you know, shoots two apples and, or two kills two people, doesn't take away from the people that respectfully carry guns and use it for protection and all the right things. This is it. But this is the realness of it, you know. Um, and this is, this is what we're constantly faced with is a world where we have to deal with a certain amount of evil. Um, and, and so... I don't know if we want to take this down into the gun debate, but I was—I don't know how heavy you want to get. I was about to talk about the snacks at the cinema, but I don't know where you want to go with this. I, I was—I'm not, I'm not. I don't. I don't care about the gun debate because we don't have guns here, <laughs> so you know. Well, we do technically. You can't own a gun. You can. You can't own a gun. You can't get. You can't own a. Me. You. You have to jump through hoops in this country. Yeah, you have to jump through mad hoops, but you can get. You can get a license for you know, when, a. When someone ends bring out the, the the tool, you know the thing. It's yeah. not even a great thing. Some most of them are converted, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how hard it is. You know what I mean? So that's that's even a good thing. So motherfuckers trying to shoot you. God damn! I didn't put the barrel in properly. Listen, I'm, I'm gonna go back outside. <laughs> hey, wait a second while I quickly load the gunpowder yeah. in. Why could we just jam? <laughs> yeah. You know, so a lot of those guns always jam because you know. Yeah. Not, because they're not, they're not properly purpose made and so on. America, man. You're you right. Can, man. You can get an AK-47 on the streets, bro. Bro, I put in an application to join my local shooting club, and they told me like basically just don't even expect anything back for the next year. <laughs> they said fuck off. They said they're for. But that's that's partly because they just have a lot of applications. But even uh, even at the start of that year, when they get back to me, it's gonna be like a six month observation period, criminal background checks, blah blah blah. blah. And this is all just to shoot. So if you have a good criminal background check, like say you were a heavy shooter in the in the street. Surely you're, you're the right person for the club. <laughs> <laughs> you put out an application. I catch bodies. <laughs> The whole point is to not catch bodies. We out here doing. He's uh... called the Shooters Club, and I'm a shoe, and I'm not allowed. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, this some bullshit? Ain't this some bullshit? But... They got the Shooters Club. They don't shooters here. <laughs> like, first of all, black men can't get in a black cab. Now the shooters can't get in the Shooters Club. What's going on? Oh, drivers in though. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, getaway car guy get in there, but the shooter can't. Bro, I, I would, I would love to do just like one night as a Def Comedy Jam comic, bro. They, those guys must have had so much fun. Do you know how fun that was? Just doing that, making up that bit with no thought behind it. Yeah, but do you know, do, do you know how? But don't, don't get it twisted though. If you weren't funny, you didn't always hit you. Of course, and I, I saw them on stage not hitting. Well, thing is, I don't want to be a Death Jam comic and not hit, bro. I want, to, I want, I want the chairs falling up in the air. Of course, we all want that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but I mean, you know, like you were just talking about the Carlos Miller joke, where he's he's just talking about how you know uh, this just chaos with black people, blah blah blah. We're taking time to dissect it and stuff. He said it, and the people laughed. Do you know how freeing that must be to just say some stuff, just speak? I, but I think. If I was to do Death Jam, I would smash it in the in in the way of being British and black. That would be my whole angle for the night, and I would give like that's how Gina did it. That's how Gina did it. Condescending to the audience as well. I'm not sure that's gonna play out, bro. (laughs) They love British people though, so they'd be like, "It just must be interesting." They do, but like 
I mean, to be honest, Gina, Gina doesn't like suck up to them or anything like that. Gina did the whole thing as I'm black and I'm British, uh, and she's the only one who's done Def Comedy Jam um, from from our side. But what's interesting about it is that she does it like they, they, there's a weird thing that I've kind of understood from performing in America, and it's a matter of they don't they don't mind you being a little snooty or a little you know making fun of them or whatever. But if they get the sense that you genuinely think you're better than them, especially a black crowd in America, they switch like that. They don't want to hear no uppity Negro come up and, and say, oh, you guys spell color wrong. Where's the you? I mean, you, they just... You think that's the kind of material I'm, I'm going to be done? Of course not, bro. I just... This... <laughs> Obviously, I respect the crowd, but you said you're going to talk down to them the whole night. No, I'm going to talk down to them because they talk down to us. Yeah, but you know they don't like that, man. They're, they're gonna be—they're still upset that uh, flipping John Boy gets getting rolls, bro. And that's where the comedy is. <laughs> fuck. You want to go and antagonize them? Like, imagine walking on and saying, "What's going on, man? Oh, I'm so happy." They—they um—they—they—they <laughs> they, they, they had an African American on, but they managed to have <laughs> local your local star comic is on the rise, so I'm getting a little spider in that. Then you then you throw your American accent. Appreciate y'all. How did I do? How did I do? Was that was that spot on? Y'all, y'all, so unaware how stupid you're looking right now. I'm just just so nice to be around you, motherfuckers. Yes, my niggas. Yes. I saw a group of black women the other day. I said, mm, "What's up, bitches?" In a bitch, I said, "You." <laughs> So I was uh, walking down the sidewalk, and I um, and I said to myself, "Do you know what? Do you know what I need? A forty ounce. I need a forty ounce of malt liquor. <laughs> of malt liquor." I was enjoying being this Black American experience. Then the police showed up, and I said, "Oh no, 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 sir." Real talk. Real talk, though, like, a policeman let me go in America once he realised I was British. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, it doesn't surprise me either, but it was like, yeah, it was very real, I guess. You know, there's, there's classification. I think Jean even has a joke about it, about telling the police officer, oh, that I'm not that kind of black. No, 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 she, she, no, she said, the policeman, you've been following me for two miles now. <laughs> and then, oh, sorry, ma'am, I thought you was black. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's how she said it. That was a good joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the, 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 I mean, performing in Montreal, that was um, I had all the Def Jam comics on there. What's her it, name? That woman's name. Uh, chocolate Monique. Uh, not Monique. Sorry. Uh, Simone. Chocolate uh, ice cream. No, no, no. Her, um, uh, Simone Leanne Lord. Um, she's light skin. I don't give. Oh, um. She's the one that did joke about when Laura Hayes. No, she's not old school Def Jam. She's more new school. Okay. She's what they do. She came. She's come to Baby Fat. Baby Fat. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I know who you're talking about. I don't know. Yeah. And she was there. Kevin something Gates or something like that. He had just he was kind. He had smashed the, the latest Def Jam at that time. Okay. So he was there. A couple guys from the, um, you know, White Famous or Black Famous that show. No, I don't know, but yeah. Let's talk about Black Famous, I think. 
one of the guys who was on the show was there. So you had all these, you know, comics from that kind of circuit because it was a Kevin Hart thing. So you know, yeah, yeah. And then you had some white ones who were, um, good approved. Yeah, they, but they weren't. You know, they were just white people. Yeah. But I remember watching the show, and yeah, Americans perform comedy way different than we do, man. Way more different than we. We're, we're, theirs is a is a show. You know what I mean? Like mm. trying to get that Netflix special, that TV spot. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Very well polished in terms of a performance and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, I mean to be honest, like it makes sense because their route to success is usually through having a well-polished set that can go, like you can do three minutes on Conan yeah. or you could go do, you know, three minutes on Def Comedy Jam or whatever it is. Whereas our route to success, you know, is usually by doing an hour of wispy, thoughtful stuff that you take to Edinburgh and then they now go backwards and book you to do 10 minutes on TV. It makes no sense to do it that way around, but that's what they, um, that's what they value in this country. Our, um, Method of comedy, I think, is better than theirs in the sense where you can make a living from performing in the clubs. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely. I always say that like we're better for the middle. We're better for the middle. We 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 can create uh, enough. We can create a stable environment for enough comics to make a living doing their craft. But we don't make stars the same way America makes stars. The thing about them is that there's lots of people at the bottom. Yeah, but the people at the top are really at the top everywhere because they are they've had to but, work. But, but but the thing is, you say we don't make stars, but that's because if you think about it, Michael McIntyre probably um, when he tours England mm. or just England, he's break he's making more money or the same amount of money. Well, I won't say as if like a Bill Burr definitely or even more because he's England's national treasure. Mm. McIntyre reigns it in, and then he's corporate alone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. He, he was getting 40 grand in 2010 for a corporate. Mm. Can you imagine getting 40 grand for a corporate? And this is the worst part about his corporates. He took them seriously. <laughs> like, they were like, any town he's in, do some research and then do some material for the town that day. Like, when you hear that kind of story as a comment, like, this nigga putting pressure on corporates, nigga. <laughs> Now you feel like you have to, you know, mention mm. that you're there. Because you know how it is with corporates. You're just trying to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It bangs. But this guy's doing the work. This, guy, <laughs> this guy's smashing corporates. This what? Work for a corporate. So, um, so what I realized was, <clears throat> and you know how it is. Look at um, Eddie Izzard and stuff like that. They'll cross the waters, end up in Ocean's Eleven, come back, do another mm. battle. Look at, what's his name? Ricky Gervais. Even though his films were trash, but you know, he, when yeah. you're written, you're able to just do a madness. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, but it's it's for a select few. One, yes. two, they still go over to America to go become yes. global stars, yes. and then number three, there's an element to which it's like um, some have tried to cross over, but I don't think they they all get that same love. Yeah. Some of what you know, it's. It's a delicate game to play, and um, but I think it's. I think I always say when I used to when I first started going to America, I would come back pumped and buzzed because even in a regular comedy club, I still felt like I was part of something huge. You know, if you go into a regular comedy club in New York and Chappelle, Lawrence, Rock are all up on the wall, 
so-and-so does a pop-in, um, you know, Seinfeld used to play here, whatever it is, in your head, stand-up-wise, that's huge, that's amazing, um, and that's amazing anywhere in the world, that's really, that, that gives you a certain amount of drive that, you know, if you do well at this, you could literally be a global star, but I think even with UK acts, there's, there's an element to which some of them think about, okay, maybe I'll go to America and I'll do that, but a lot of them think about becoming a star in the UK and maybe being able to do Australia. Um, That's what the market is for them. You think Joe Lysa's tripping off of LA? That nigga's cleaning up and he's in his own country. Like when it's a big show, he's him. He's the next Graham Norton. Calm. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Jack Whitehall. Jack Whitehall's cleaning up. Yeah, I don't doubt that they're cleaning up. I'm just saying that like... On his, on his special. Yeah, I, I, I'm saying I'm saying the aspirations are different. No, the aspirations are not different. It's just they don't need America. They don't need it. If they needed it, they'll be there. But they don't need it. But but somebody in America doesn't need the UK or doesn't need Australia, whatever it is. But it comes with the package, partly because of who America is. What's it called? Still, Chappelle cannot draw the same audience as Mac McIntyre in this country. No, of so course he just not. Comes there for a quick flip. He doesn't need it though, but it's good money. Yeah, he can stay in America and make his money, but you got a little audience popping over here, so of course you're gonna come down. But do you do you think Chappelle has an easier time cleaning up in the UK than, um, or, or does McIntyre have an easier time cleaning up in the US? If he has his audience in the US, it's the same thing. But that's my point. He doesn't. You won't get that I audience. Don't know if he do tours. You don't know if he does tours in the US because he does tours in South Africa. Yeah, oh, come on, man. Former, yeah. all, these, all, all, these, all these, like... And here's the thing. What All I'm saying is this. If Michael McIntyre goes to America and gets 2,000 people in Utah, that's a result. Fair. Because that's what Dave Chappelle's getting here. Well, Dave Chappelle's doing multiple nights. So yeah, he's but more than that. five nights. Yeah. Right. So you're telling me Michael McIntyre can't do five nights of expats in America? Hell yeah, he can. If he wants to. I don't know. I don't know. Because they do the best of British in Montreal. You know? We mm -hmm. just don't know their schedule like that. Michael McIntyre, definitely. There's expats everywhere. Them motherfuckers go, wherever there's expats is where they go. So yeah. They go, they go South Africa, they go Australia, Singapore. But, but I'm not talking about just expats. I'm talking about a star in America is a star in Malaysia. Chappelle can book a date in Malaysia right now. But I don't know if the UK stars have that same pool. Do you have that same pool in certain countries, that, especially former colonies? All those like high white population, Australia, South Africa, um, you know, those kind of spots, maybe Singapore or whatever it is, like where a lot of expats are, like you said. But I'm talking about like with the locals, like Chappelle can pretty much go to most countries on this earth and draw a crowd of people who are genuine fans from that country. UK acts don't have that same... But anyway, I don't want to get too much into business, but I, I, I just think, yeah, in terms of the way we're structured and, and our mentality, I think in the UK, it's a little bit limited, and in the US, it's, You're missing it because it's global. America's always global. America has the bigger audience. It's the bigger country. Mm. And in this country, it's never been that. Not even their actors. Their actors are esteemed. They're more cherished over here, and they appreciate them in America. That's why it looks that way. But what I'm saying is, if you own the territory, the only thing you need is the territory. <clears throat> if you're big in England, you don't need America. 
America is just another market. It's just another source of you to just try and make your money. However, if you have your whole city on lock, that's where you're going to survive. Because yeah. they think about in America, you look niggas from the South, they don't need LA. Because they've got the South making them pop. True, true. Now cross over, then you're making crazy loot. But before that, you just need your city. To be, yeah, to be fair, there are some people who like just have a region, just have a state, and just have a city. Laughing. And they're nice, they're nice. What's it called? John Bishop is nice in Liverpool forever. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. The thingy, SEC Arena. <clears throat> so what okay. I'm saying is, so what? For, so if you look at it from our point of view, if we had diaspora unlock, what am I, what am I going to America for? Actually, no, the, 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 America. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was about to say. There's diaspora, I mean. and plus the the diaspora numbers here. On, I mean, we're hyper visible, but we're not huge in number. You don't think the diaspora numbers here are big? No, it's in Europe. Black people in the UK are two percent of the population. Population UK Europe. is like, oh, in Europe, yeah, probably the biggest, maybe France as well, because they got those francophones, yeah. But they got the francophone ones, they're going to be expecting that. It do jamais. No, no, <laughs> you know, the funny thing when I went to perform in Germany, yeah, it's all diaspora, but it wasn't oh, Nigerians, yeah. But that that makes sense though. Germany makes sense, yes, but it wasn't, oh, it's, it's but, like, but, but I'm saying the French ones they have their own thing going, like they really have their own, but they're still African though, isn't it? Just put, just put, just put a guy with um, dreads and um, light. Um, That's you, bro. <laughs> long extensions and crazy med pattern jeans and loafers, and they'll fall in love with the character. But my point is, if we get, so if we had all of those on lock, like, yeah. imagine, if you're Beanie Man, remember Elephant Man wasn't allowed to perform in England, which was a, a sucker for him because that is fucking up the bag. Because mm. everybody, <laughs> this is where his audience, <laughs> I mean, this is, they'll be, they'll be out in numbers. Yeah, we're gonna come to the show. But, <laughs> but the fact that he's so big in Jamaica, he's just laughing. Yeah, he's laughing. I'm sure he did certain cities in the US as well. I'm sure Hell he did. Yeah. At Brooklyn, where you went to a cinema. Yeah, and Queens. Queens, yeah, Jamaica, Queens. Queens. <laughs> Florida, Florida would have been. Remember, it was gunshots. <laughs> So what I'm saying is, we forget, yeah, because don't remember, forget, and also, Chappelle, <coughs> yeah, Rick Chappelle and all those people, that's America's brand, in it? The star. That's their brand, in it? They're stars. They're, they're yeah. dark, life characters. Yeah. But what I've noticed, especially as comedians, um, so for instance, when Seinfeld came down, all the comics came out to see him in Soho. Yeah. Right? Now, if uh, Whitehall went to, I won't say Whitehall, McIntyre went to anywhere in America, I doubt niggas. <laughs> I doubt niggas from the comedy center, like, yo, McIntyre about to do a five, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt you would hear that. But, they, they, but there's, some, there's some people they might do that for. They might do that for Izzard. They might do that for, right. um, for Billy Connolly. Yeah, exactly. Like those yeah. kind of guys oh, that Gervais. have. They might, unfortunately, they might even do it for Gervais. Oh, they would. They would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They come yeah. out for the race. Yeah. So, um, but when I was watching Seinfeld, like, I was just like, okay, being a comic is, a, is, is very depressing in a sense where you can't even enjoy the show. You're trying to figure out how you did your math. Let me see your homework. You know, let me say you got to that punchline. Well, that's it, nigga. Really? You do the whole pull and reveal to this nigga here. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know you Seinfeld and all, but I wasn't impressed. I'm trying to, he did one joke. Um, but do you know what? What I got from him was he is cocky as a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. he was flogging on air. Niggas, the guy literally said, I showed up, right? <laughs> bruh, why wouldn't you be, bruh? Why wouldn't you be? Dude is worth like 800 million, bro. Yeah, apparently, but go on. I mean, at that point, what are you really joking about? What's funny to you? What's funny to you is how broke everyone else is, bro. Because, like, really and truly, if somebody tries to tell you, I didn't find that funny, you're going to look at them like, 800 mil, though. Like, I'm okay. I mean, even if you don't find it funny, that's okay. You're not going to have the same journey as you would. 800 mil doesn't mean you're funny, though. I know it doesn't mean that, but... You've not diffused the point that maybe you told a joke that wasn't funny. But you may just not care. That's my point. If, if Okay, so if Warren B was like, blah, 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 that wasn't funny. 500 mil, though. Yo, I didn't, I didn't question <laughs> I just said that wasn't funny. Hey, <laughs> no, but you have to remember... I when... to a motherfucker like that. When I say 800 mil, I'm talking about somebody who has been revered as one of the greatest stand-ups of all time, had the most successful comedy sitcom, I think, of all time. Um, is And and on top of all, all of that... All hype, hype, noise, bro. All hype, hype, noise. All the most successful... Ah, that's all hype, hype, noise. Bruh, look here. If that's hype, hype, noise, hype, shout hype, noise. at me. I, look, bro, they still syndicating that sitcom... Till today, you can't stop right, getting paid. Right. Overrated. I love it. I love it. Curb, bruh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched the most recent ones, but when it, when it was first running, in its first run, I, I was a religious curb watcher. Curb is much better than Seinfeld. But what I'm saying is, if if every time you get into a bit of bother with a disagreement, you just throw five hundred mil. Then you can't question this person, you know. <laughs> but it's my point. Oh, you can't say, "Oh, nigga, you stepped on my shoes." Five hundred mil, though. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but I mean, but the, I'm saying, yeah, it doesn't make for a very pleasant person. But I understand oh. how they get there. Yo, you dropped the baby. Yeah, but five hundred mil. Okay, but you know. <laughs> You're right. You're right. But I mean, and to, I would say the 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 thirty seconds I spent around Seinfeld was one of the most uncomfortable 30 seconds oh, of my life. Oh, you Seinfeld? Yeah, yeah, When he came to the store, I was doing 99 Club. I want to meet him. That's my question. To be fair, you have your reasons, in it? But I would I, never want to meet him. I'm, I wanted to meet him. I wanted to get that picture. Um, and in the course of taking it, he just... You feel the same way now, though? Like you want to get a picture? Like if I saw Chappelle, I wouldn't want to get a picture. Yeah, I mean, I mean probably I, I would... I would I just know how they see it because we're comics. Yeah, That's, you hate that shit. <laughs> you know you do. Yeah, I, I mean, no, I don't actually mind taking. What photos. I love about rappers, I love all my fans. Can I get a picture, of your dog? Man, we chilling right now. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, you love no, I, I, I actually don't mind. I don't mind the photos because I don't get that many right now. I imagine that when you get like six hundred every night, six hundred requests every night, you're like, all right, relax. Comics you've met. Pardon? Have you had a good experience with comics you've met? Uh, yeah, Greer Barnes. Greer no, Barnes no, has no, been. No, no. I mean, like, name ones. Like, respect to Greer Barnes, but I mean, you've met Paul Mooney, you've met Seinfeld. So I'm talking about those great names. Okay. Experience with any of them. 
Uh, with, with those two you just mentioned, hell no. They were both. <laughs> I don't even know. You didn't, I don't remember. Seinfeld was just the fact that I, um, he, he, what, he was at the store. I heard about it because I was at the 99 Club. So I came over. I asked I asked the man in the booth. I hadn't properly started playing the store at that time. I asked if I could go into the green room. They were, dude just looked at me like, Simon, it was Simon. He just looked at me. It was just shook his head like I was like, don't even ask any stupid questions like that. So later on, I waited till the end of the show. Uh, I watched Seinfeld. Seinfeld came out and he was kind of just stopped. It was him and George Wallace as well. And George Wallace was really nice, actually. I don't know if you count him as... (laughs) I knew him, though. I knew him, like... I knew him, but... He was probably surprised. Nigga, you know me? (laughs) He took a picture with me that night uh, and it was all cool. Um, Everyone that night. But I said, yo, can I uh, ask Cypher for the picture? Oh, so you use George Wallace to get to the white man. You see how he can rise? Come on, come on. No, it was not like that. They they were both, they both killed it. They came out afterwards and I wanted to get a picture with both of them. Uh, Seinfeld was obviously swarmed and swamped by people. Um, George Wallace was a little freer. Uh, so I took a picture with him. And then when people kind of dispersed away from Seinfeld, he was kind of looking to to somebody to like get him out of there. I think that's what he was. He looked like he was like, "Where's this person that's supposed to like pick me up and get me out of here?" Um, and so yeah, I just while he was still standing by himself, I just said, "Can I get a picture?" He's like, "Oh, go on." And just kind of like, I quickly got someone to take the photo. It was blurry. I didn't even care. I was just like, Do you know what? Let, let's just be over with this. Let him be on his way because it felt very, very uncomfortable. Well, to be fair, then I think he got there too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I, I don't. I don't begrudge him. That's what I said. Like, come on, man. You get to that point. You didn't take taking that many photos. It's not going to be fun for you anymore. It's not really like it's anything for you. You're constantly just giving up your face, really, so someone else can tell a cool story. The flip side is, you didn't mind when when I was giving you laughs, though, did you? Yeah, but when I was cleaning your balls, you weren't saying that. Now that you don't know that my face, you don't want you don't want to stroke it no more. Oh, brother, brother, what's with these? What's with these analogies? I'm not. You're not emotional like me. I don't think I'll be able to take that picture. I'll go on there, man. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) You're lucky you didn't book me tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. To be fair. I had a bad experience with JJ Okocha. And ever since then, I said, never again. Wow. Never again would I walk up to a celebrity or someone I revere or someone I... And, and be a groupie, basically. Mad. Oh, when, when, I'm, when I met Rock, it was very, very swift. But he was cool. Who? I, Chris Rock. You know, the, when I, I was just, in Montreal. I, yeah. Stretch. Was it my yeah. lobby? I'm losing yeah. my shit. Not because of church, because of his association with Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> That's cold, man. He had the Tupac tattoo on his forearm, but then I thought to myself, I can't ask to see a grown, ask a grown man, can I see your tattoos? I don't even sound right. So I just walked up to him and said, Trench, <sighs> I said, much love. And he just dapped me up and we walked off. And I walked off. Okay. I mean, well, that's, that's I dope. Whisper, I was going to whisper to his ear. Morning to that drone. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't um I don't take pictures or ask for um when I did a John Bishop and I asked for a picture, but that just was because, you know, 
everyone else had, I didn't want to be rude. <laughs> like all the other comics are taking pictures and posting it. Imagine me just saying, thanks for that, man, peace. <laughs> so, <laughs> but on the normal, like, you know, when I, when I did the show with Trevor Noah and that, I didn't, I didn't up the pictures, man, because um, for that reason, it's just like, I, let them be who they be. I don't want, I don't want insult in it. Yeah. You know? And I, you know, we've met, you know, we've come across a lot of famous people in the in the line of work you do. Yeah. Around Frankie Boyle. Like these motherfuckers were just normal people. Rude. This is me. Can you give me advice? Like again, this is things you learn as you get older. Mm. I would never ask another comic for advice ever again. The, the only the best advice I've ever heard from a comedian is Eddie Murphy. And he said, Don't listen to anybody. <laughs> Have you heard that story, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 I have. Well, you said, you know, Lenny, uh, was it Lenny Bruce? Um, no, uh, no, no, Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, he was one of his idols. He said, Listen, man, I'm about to go on. So yeah, he does his act and goes, You're kind of dirty. I don't know if that's gonna fly. And I know how that feels because it's so crushing because it's someone whose opinion you value is mm. just telling you your shit is trash. Mm. And then he said he sees him a year later, he sees his palace in the toilet. This is after two movie deals and, you know, this is, hey, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, who knew? So. Exactly. No, I, I, I felt a bit, you know, I felt a bit some way when Lenny Henry told me um, that I need to organise my thoughts more because uh, he was judging a competition that I was what in. What was he doing? What, judging a competition? That right, you had to judge. That's what his job was. No, yeah, but I mean, like, if you ask him that now, he'd be like this. I saw you perform. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, he definitely didn't remember me. Um, but, but yeah, but like, he didn't say that in terms of why he was judging. I came up to him afterwards just to say, oh, it was nice to meet you, man. Thank you um, for whatever. And um, and then he was like, yeah, no, you, you, you got some good stuff, man, but you need to organize your thoughts more. I was like, okay, cool. I didn't actually come to you for advice, but... Why did you come to Thank you. Just to... It was like... After the, the event, everybody's uh, just generally saying hello to each other and so on. I want to say hello to Lenny Henry, man. Man's been watching Lenny Henry for years. Let me let me say hello to the man. I just want to say hello. You know, I just generally be a a good uh, a good sport about the fact that I didn't win at the competition and so on. So I was just, you know, hanging around saying, you know, hello to people. Man offered me the advice. Yeah, I was like, yo, organize my thoughts. Wow, okay. And to be honest, like, that same night, there was there was another uh, lady. She used to work at the comedy cafe. She was there with me. She was like, "Hey, don't worry about that. Go the other way, man. Go fully you. Like, if you're all over the place, be all over the place. Do it well." So, I mean, you can take from that what you will, but I I I understand the place of not listening to anybody. But at the same time, some comedians are giving me great advice. Mm. Um, you know, like like Gina Brillion, um, she got this from Chris Rock. And she and basically she said it to me, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I, I this resonates with me." Chris Rock told her the audience can smell ball. That if you don't believe what you're saying, they can sense it. So if you're gonna go up there, whatever you say, you better believe it, right? So if you're gonna go up there, and you're gonna do something that's a bit controversial or blah blah blah. You're more likely to get away with a joke or to get a better reaction from the joke if you genuinely back what you're saying. If you have any hesitation around it, you think there's something wrong with what you're saying, the crowd will smell it on you. I was like, that's that's fairly decent advice, man. Thank you very much. It's something to bear in mind when I'm performing. Um, but on the other hand, I don't particularly, you know, do much with Lenny Henry's advice. It's just, 
You have to filter it for yourself. Mm. <clears throat> I mean, who's giving me good advice? Kojo gave me good advice. What do you say? To never go over your time. Always in the audience wanting more. I respect that. I respect that. And that was good because there's nothing more destroying or so destroying when you see a comic fighting for every laugh in the room. It's like my nether. It's the ovations. Come on, dog. Get the fuck off the stage. And then you see them when they get that big laugh and you know now is the time. Yeah. He's into... Ugh. You know my girl, yeah? Oh, my God! Bruh, go. Go now. Like, you're coming to the break. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh, that, that be hurt me so... That be hurt me so much. Um, a lot of people get misunderstand about comedy as well is some people think going last means you're the best or yeah they say the best to last bro i want to go every time i want to go in the first half every time mm. i'm at the store i want to do the first half mm. because that's when the room that's when the pussy's wet wow brother that's when the room is ripe you understand you know after oh. you, you you know when you you know when the girl first, you know when you bring the girl back first that first round is a motherfucker because that's when the energy was there. That second one, you had to lay down a bit, had a deep conversation. You try and rev it up again. It's just not the same, you know. You still you still get through it, but it went like that first round. Uh, so what I'm saying uh, is, when you get to the first half of a comedy show, I never been to a comedy show where the first half was so high. You see the comics in the back being, fucking, I want to go now. Man. <laughs> I need to go on right now. Because when yeah. you go to the break and you come back down, anything can happen. Someone throws up in the front. we got a delay cleaning up. Um, yeah. Compare's being dead banter about vomit. I used to vomit when I was a kid. I should have gone to the I knew that first half was the one. Listen, I used to throw up as a kid. <laughs> Just my observations. That's me, I love going on in the oh. first half, blowing up first, and I like going on first as well. Mm. Really set this tone and put everybody on the pressure. I love that shit. But there's certain gigs where like it really doesn't get going until towards the end, which is really sad. But you know, like especially on a Friday night where people have been working all day, they basically been That's up lie, since man. six a.m. That's a lie. If your set is your set, that set should work whenever the stop. From the show starting, from the show, even if everybody's been in a bad mood, you're yeah. be able to live by the end of it, uh, bro. But you're, you're contradicting what you're saying now. Now you're saying you should just go on any to anywhere. No, 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 no. You should, what I'm saying is, people think going on last is some kind of level. Yeah. What I'm saying is, you should be able to go on anywhere. You should be comfortable going on first. True. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I agree. Apart from closing, you should be even if the whole night has been fire. When you go out to close, you can't be like, ah, oh, man, you know, they were tired. Now you, you, you weren't ready. Actually, no, I'm going to say that because I've been to Manchester Comedy Store where you know how the comedy store in Manchester is. Yeah. I shit you not. One one half of the room had decided we ain't laughing at shit tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I shit you not. Oh, man. Together, I had a little meeting. This side, we ain't giving nothing. So I had to perform to the other side. My, I was throwing the jokes there. Occasionally, I throw the joke over there, but you know when it comes back empty, like a, like an echo. Oh man! Nothing more soul destroying, yeah. They're throwing your punchline out to the room where they're not really laughing, laughing. 
Bruh. You start looking for that little energy. You know that girl that's overdoing it? You go to her, but she gets a bit too high. You're like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I know that joke ain't that funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. For real, for real, man. I mean, to be honest, I, those, whenever there's that one person that's enjoying your set a bit too much, it's weird. I get really weird. Like, <laughs> It's like, come on, man. Come on, you know, man. You know, the worst one is... I think sometimes because I, because I, I am, I like this thing of not not letting the laugh land too much. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but I get it. But sometimes you got to let that person get over it because you're already starting to talk about the next thing, but they can't control the laughter because that last one was so funny. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! It kind of throws you. It throws the room. Yeah. Oh, shit! I should have given that a bit more time. So yeah. Because my cousin came up to him and goes, Fumbi, spacious shit, bro. But my must have been enjoying one of the jokes and you're already on to the next topic. I was like, all right, jeez. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't like the, I don't like people clapping. If I, like, you know when I say, to, how about you tell your friends when or that bad? And nowadays I actually dread getting to that punchline. It's like, I don't want the clap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, come on, bro. It's just I, I, I have a weird relationship with that. When someone claps at certain points in my, in my, my set, I almost want to. I I do, I do spend more time trying to get them to stop clapping because yeah. I'm like, hey, don't. I like when I say, um, oh, I relish being a husband and a father, and people start clapping for that. I'm like, hey, don't clap for that, man. That's well, like when I say my name's Fumbi, I'm gonna tell you, whoa, what? what? What are you clapping for? What's your name, Sarah? I don't fuck. <laughs> you know, it's just a name, you know. So I, those things really make me just like whatever. But at the same time, you know. To anybody who's listening to this who's not a comedian, they must be like, oh, this guy's such a douchebag. People are clapping for you and you're, you're complaining. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to understand, it's not necess- It's not just like getting the clap is like the achievement. It's more like... Are you listening? Yes, and you're managing people's emotions over the course of 20 minutes, right? And you need to get them to certain places in order to get the laughs out. So sometimes you need to make them hate you. Sometimes you need to make them worried maybe sometimes you need to get them a bit anxious whatever it is you need to be able to do and when someone tries to disrupt that by being too positive or oh being too you're, not letting, you're not giving me a rhythm here exactly that's what I i'm saying i don't need you to like me and i feel like as a black comic especially when you go in front of a majority white room they desperately want to like you yes yeah, yeah. i don't need your likes i just need to find you funny yeah you understand what i'm saying yeah i remember when i was talking about race in front of John Bishop's crowd. Although you could hear, you could hear um, a pin drop. Of course. I was like, but hey, I'm telling you now, man, shout out to Edinburgh, shout out to all the pubs with six people in the crowd, shout out to the rooms where I walked in, I was like, how did I even get here? Shout out to those moments, yeah, because it prepared me for that big stage. Mm. Because a, a, a novice will panic. They're not mm. laughing, not laughing. One, yeah. my, um, one time, my agent said this to me, one of my agents, she was like to me, Bill, um, Bill Hicks, do you know why he was so good? See why? She goes, because he was comfortable in silence. Mm. You, have to, you have to find a level to be comfortable in silence. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're not funny. It just means they're listening. Mm. And so yeah. What you figure out is where's the punchline? There's a yeah. punchline coming. So when they're listening, if you structure, if you're a good orator like Chris, like Kevin Dave Chappelle, there's moments in his set where you're hanging on ears. It's now it's now skill sets. Mm. Punch, 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 punch. But I've yeah. been doing that. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, if you listen 
and land a and land a flipping atomic bomb on you. Yeah. Or not. Or yeah. not. There's still nuances. There was that time when he was talking about, you know, kicking in the pussy. And the guy was like, Would you like to stay for whatever? And he was like, Oh no, for dinner. He was like, Oh no, I'm gonna go, I'd rather go home and fry some bologna because back when we don't have to cook that bad. <laughs> That's a pretty cool funny jab. And then he yeah. go, We're having um oven baked or whatever. Stove top. Stove top thingy, right. Yeah. And he goes, Well hold on, nigga, let me make some calls. <laughs> <laughs> You can have people listening and still throwing a little um, personality, a little charisma, and it can move, it moves your story along. Mm. So when I was talking about race and talking about, you know, we get John Barnes a lot, I knew where the punchlines are. I knew once I say, do you know what? Because when I say, oh, they say we have to have these difficult conversations. Is racism bad? Yes. It's not that difficult. After yeah. People kind of like, okay, all right. You know, I it's pretty straightforward. It was still quiet. I said, guys, do you know what a difficult conversation is? Ain't no, yeah. the whole crowd went mad because no one saw that coming. Of course, you know, yeah, and, and that gives me the whew because that didn't hit. Then I'll be like, okay, time to panic, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, you know, you know, them times where you you you, you lean into something because you expected it, you just got the laugh there every single time, yeah. you got a yeah. or something or whatever it is, and it doesn't come. Bro, the way in which you have to, you have to Jedi mind trick your way through that, that bit like, like you're not rattled. Oh man! On the weekend, I started really slow. I okay. Slow. And so I had to kind of chase the gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had the same thing. I was like downstairs at the King's Head. Chase it, but the second show, which I was happy I did, because I hate doing a good show first, and in the second show, you know, just two moments are wrong, and it just doesn't add up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no, you know what I do? Sometimes when I'm on that stage, I'm just like, you know, you guys have been cool, man. Obviously, I've had better, but I feel like, you know, you guys have got my standards tonight. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I did the same thing. On Saturday, I told them, do you know what? Yeah, I, I was better than you guys today. I was, <laughs> I was better than you. I, yeah. In terms I, of... I'm going to review this audience one time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've, I've done that as well. I've done that as well. audience. Yeah, that no. Sometimes you need to do that, man, because it's just play those mind games. Yeah, that's uh, to be honest. The whole thing is a mind game. Making someone laugh is a mind game. Like, how do you have that much control over someone else's response? Oh, making making someone laugh for money is a mind game. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, we're that's kids, what we're we, we weren't playing mind games. We're all trying. It, it's funny how, as kids, you're all trying to be funny. Everyone's trying to be funny. Poo poo head. Everyone's just doing stupid stuff. Then you get to an yeah. age where someone is clearly funny and someone is not. You can actually say, yo, you're not funny. <laughs> As a kid, if, if someone says to you, if, if your child says to another child, you're not funny, that's some deep shit. <laughs> <laughs> Kids love for everything. Standards <laughs> already, <laughs> like, If a kid tells you that, that joke's a bit hack, man, you could do better than that. No, you can't try your jokes in front of kids. Like six, seven, eight year olds. They tell you exactly how they feel. I don't think I'm funny. Shut <laughs> up. Hey, hey, bedtime. You think that's funny? <laughs> bedtime. How about that? <laughs> how about that? Oh man. Yo, what's the part quote? Um, 
<laughs> I'm leaving wild with smiles because ain't a thing funny. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, I actually had a quote, and funny enough, I don't know. Tupac does repeat the same words a lot, but it was actually because um, I finally heard the song "Smile," where um, you had already all time. Yeah, where you you'd already quoted it, I think for like "Protect Your Essence," right? I think that's like that's like episode one. That was like our quote for episode one, and I was like, in the intro to that, I'm surprised you didn't quote what Tupac says um, uh, about. How you're gonna see some things that are gonna make you hard to, to smile in the future, um, and but whatever you see through the rain and the pain, you gotta keep your sense of humor. I'm like, that's like the ideal quote for you as a comedian who's a Tupac fan. I didn't believe it though. You didn't believe him. When he no, said he was, that. He was just on his, you know, this is a good intro shit. He just wanted to say something vibey. Yeah, yeah so say something positive. Say something positive <laughs> for the kids. <laughs> The real shit is broken. No light song. That's where the real shit is. Why the real shit is um, living, selling my soul for material wishes, fast cars and bitches. Wishing I live my life a legend, immortalized by pictures. That's the real shit. That's the shit I believe. That intro shit. I mean, shut, shut up. <laughs> oh, I was not expecting that response. To be fair, I was like, this nigga you wrote him up. Shut up, man. <laughs> Don't lie to me, Park. I love you, dog. <laughs> But to be honest, he kept a sense of humour through a lot of things. Tupac was a funny guy. Allegedly, he was. He was a goofball. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like maybe, he was maybe he was maybe he was being real. I, I, you know what? He had daddy issues, and so he was always trying to just make people happy. You know, everybody was like one guy was like I think it was Buster Rhymes. He said every time they were on tour, you know the guys that are selling the bootlegs. He said Tupac would be the leader of chasing him out the building. He said one time, um, him and Q-Tip, this guy had, they were kind of holding this guy like, you know, maybe, you know, yeah, they were doing a sound check. And he said, they got there late. So the guy was like, they can't do their sound check. And they were like, my man, you know, if you've seen our show, we need to do this sound check to get it right type thing. And then they said, you know, they, they're going back and forth, but it's not anything crazy. They said Tupac shows up and he's like, I'll kill you, nigga. They're like, yo, 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 yo. It's just <laughs> but because you know he had that family saying so if he was with people that you know he was always all in okay so you know how sometimes if you don't have this is an intense in dude home, if you grew up in a broken home sometimes or if you don't have a father or a mother or you know just to, to, to think it's disjointed you're always all in with a friendship you're all in with a relationship because it's something you're trying to make sure it's perfect Wow, that's some deep insight, bro. Yeah, that is. Do you know because it's, this is the conversation I've been having all this weekend. Right. Yeah, like it, it was just. I've I've been thinking a lot about my my friendships, and um, I even asked on my Instagram stories, like for those of you guys who are friends with me, what's the hardest part about being friends with me? Because I was really making me start to think that, like, yo, I don't know if it's like a season of life or just because of like the kind of lifestyle I've chosen. But, like, I don't really get to hang out like that no more. It's like I've got work. i got work friends. i got, like, church people. What, you don't get to go to the to the bar and have a beer with the lads? Nobody does that. No, but, like, n- nobody comes to visit me in my house other than, like, you coming to do the pod. <laughs> but, like, at a moment's notice, if I just want to go chill somewhere, i got all my people's... They even live far away, or they got you have to, they got kids. 
they got a wife, you need to check in, you need to like plan this in advance. So it's like this season of life isn't really conducive for like that kind of friendship right now. Um, unless you're working together, like in our case, or you're doing church together in case of some of the people at church, there's not really that kind of friendship. And I was, you know, it was really, uh, uh, there's a couple of other reasons why as well. But that's what I was really thinking about. But the fact that I did grow up yeah, for a long period of time in a single parent household, maybe that maybe what you're saying is really, really hitting right now. Maybe, maybe like I look at my friendships and I have this perfect view of what I want friendships to be because I'm trying to recreate something. It's why you approach the comics the way you do and show that reverence and respect because you want that brother and camaraderie. But because I know motherfuckers are pricks and cunts, I stay away from that. <laughs> but that's because I grew up in a big family. I grew up in a big city. Yeah. I have cousins who tried to backstab. So I've had to learn that you can't love everybody. You and had cousins that tried to backstab. What's going on? You know, Nigerian, you know my dad was from a polygamous family. So we have okay. cousins. So they had competition with them. And they brought that sibling, they brought that to us. Okay, okay. We share the same surname. And if I see them, it's cool. But I wouldn't, you know what I mean? We don't, we don't fuck like that. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm always... Um, because I grew up with a lot of people around people, mm. I've rolled with the criminals and I've rolled with the church, the saints. Mm. It's always a fine line in the ends. You know, one day you're saying God is good, next day you're saying, "Hey, but can we do that throw thing real quick?" Oh it's always that balance. So when I, I said balance, <laughs> so that's what when I was asking is like, you approach Seinfeld. I wouldn't think to do that because it's like, although I, you don't get me wrong, when I I approached Fokocha because I thought, listen. Nigerian captain. I'm Nigerian. This is a match made in heaven. I was like, oh, God, I said, hello, sir. He said, hello. And he walked off. This is me. I called you, sir. Oh, shit. <laughs> You're the worst part, yeah? He disrespected me so much, yeah? I was in the men's room. I said, let me get two of these Gucci jackets. <laughs> I got to the till. said, that'd be 5,000. Huh? <laughs> I just said, you know, I don't care who you are or, you know, what you've done. I'm just going to cheat. I saw Michael Jackson and just, just gave a little nod. That's wild. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's it's interesting to, 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 to you know, to, um, because um, even so, I do, I grew up, you know, when, when I was a kid, my mom, I lived with a nanny for a bit. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I lived with, like, white people for a bit because my parents, you know, were getting their stuff together. So I have... It happened a lot in, in that generation, you know. Absolutely. Have you seen that there's, like, a movie called Farming? That's what it was called no, at the time. The skinheads. Pardon? No, we joined the skinheads. Uh, no, it was just a, a movie about how, like, uh, a lot of African kids went to go live with white families over a period of time. And, like, I, I know that... I had um, sort of family friends that did that, and my wife did that as well. They got a white mum, you know, got a white family. Um, but yeah, it's like I, I didn't fully experience it. It's we had white neighbours and stuff, but. It's mad because um, <clears throat> when it happens that way, yeah. bloody, bloody hell, it fucks with the psyche a bit. Mm. Because you have this. They have this view of Nigeria as second, or of your culture as second. Mm. But you so heavily want to be that culture. Okay. 
So you go to Afrobeat raising the, 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 but you don't respect. Uh, like my friend was like to me, I don't want to go to Nigeria because all I heard was bad things. And I was just like, what do you mean all you heard was bad things? Which was not her fault because that's what, like when I told her I moved to Nigeria when I was 10, oh, were you naughty? And I was just like, no, it wasn't naughty. Yeah. But that was the narrative then. Of course, of course. It was, they, they made Nigeria sound like jail. Like, you know, you, right. you do something wrong, you go do five years in Nigeria, come back. Right, right. But here's the maddest thing. Sometimes, some of the kids who went back to Nigeria, it was the best thing for them. Yeah, and some of them came back worse. Yeah, some of them came back worse. Some of them came back and went back to Nigeria. Like, I can't hang it here. I can't hack it here. Yeah. You know, so... But that was not her fault, because that's how our parents sold it to us, isn't it? Mm. But having said that, there's something about having that culture that kind of distinguishes you from... It, it, it's, it's almost a survival kit, you know? Knowing where you're from, knowing who you're from, seeing the people around you like you, it gives you a different uh, a different mindset. Yeah, bro. I mean, to be honest, the other night, the other day, sorry, I overheard it. My daughter's four, and she asked my wife, "Do they have shops in Nigeria?" Mm. And now this is the thing with a four year old: you don't know if that's an innocent question because she just wants to know, like. What's it like in Nigeria? Mm. Or whether she's built up this idea that Nigeria is maybe more backward or primitive. Mm. So my wife responds to her like, uh, do they have shops here? Well, yeah, then they've definitely got it in Nigeria. You know what do you mean? We, everything that you can get here, you've got it in Nigeria. And probably even better. And blah, blah, blah. Inside the shop, there's a shop in there. What do you mean? Mommy, I'm four. <laughs> I'm just asking questions right now. <laughs> but you, it goes to show you that most of this... You know why it's so funny, yeah? Because that's such the Nigerian's defense mechanism. <laughs> Ask them a fucked up question about Nigeria. They start defending it. You know, what, what's up in Is it, is the, is the thing that's Nigeria? <laughs> <laughs> making I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, eh, because because if people because if people can't buy food in, in, in traffic, it's better that way. It's better that way. That's, when, when there was one time I was in traffic for five hours and I ate a full meal in that traffic. You people can't do that in London. Asking me stupid questions. Irrelevant points. Is Boris Johnson educated than me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he, is. he probably is. Oh. <laughs> So yeah, basically I was just saying that, you know, it's really interesting how, you know, you don't know with a four year old. Maybe she has picked up a bad idea, maybe she hasn't, but the way in which we come to that image of Nigeria, that image of um is, is that we've got so much to prove, man. There's so much baggage around the, these these things that I, I don't know if we're going to ever just have a... I don't think there is such thing as an objective decision or an objective statement about Nigeria. Everything is so loaded or, or whatever it is, wherever you're talking about. But for us, like, it's so loaded that even a four-year-old asking you a question, you feel the need to, like, yeah. well, we need to cut that in the... We need to nip that in the bud. You ain't about to go out here and start asking the public. It's funny <laughs> because I was asked those questions as a kid. Mm. You know? Um... And I remember I wrote the joke, I said, but, but someone was like to me, do you even have shoes in Africa? And I was like, I don't know, I've never been. <laughs> deliver that punchline. Because it was me saying, you're asking me these questions like I've been, I don't know. 
Did she get defensive with you? Like, what, what, what kind of stupid question is that? What do you mean? You know what? If I came home and said to my dad um, that someone in school said to me, do you have shoes in Nigeria? What do my dad would say? Ask his father to do that. <laughs> when you go to school tomorrow, ask his father to ask his father. <laughs> Which kind of stupid, what kind of stupid question is that? You're joining a gang. <laughs> You ever ask your parents a question and end up in punishment? How the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, bro, seriously, man. Seriously. It's funny because here's the thing. What is the truth and what is the lie? Um, (laughs) This woman told a story of how she took her niece from America, some of her cousin from America, to Mm. come to Nigeria with her. And she Mm. said, you know, her, the woman is quite well off, so they're staying in Nikoi and all those nice places. Yeah. Doing what Nigerians do and taking to all these places to impress you. Yeah. She didn't take one picture. She said when they were now driving through the rural areas of that, she was ready to now start taking pictures. She said to her, don't, no, 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 no. Don't take any picture here because when you are in, did you take any picture? But you want to go and post in Nigeria as, you know, poor, da, 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 da. And I said, you brought a girl from America to Nigeria and you took her to Nikoi. And you thought she would take pictures? Why? Exactly. She's down the road, <laughs> Bruh, You're showing her a substandard version of what she gets at home. <laughs> I'm going back to America, saying, "Yo, I went to AT- I went to Nigeria. Look at the mall. Oh, <laughs> you know, nobody. You sure you went to America? This is like America, yo. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, she's trying to capture what she what she hasn't seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing to do with trying to show Nigeria in any light. It's not your. It's not her fault you didn't tie the road. For real. It's not her for you left the gutters exposed. For real. Let's be honest, man. People go to Thailand every day and what do they want to show you? Beach. They want to show you rainforest, uh, tropical, you know. The waterfalls falling down. Yeah. I don't want to see. Why would I go to Nigeria? When they took me to Ikeja, ShopRite. We'll go to ShopRite. This is me. This is it. We've got four of these in Dalston. I don't go there. You see what I'm saying? It's actually a shame, for real, man. Because if I shoot in Nigeria, you think I'm gonna shoot Ikoyi? For what? I didn't grow up like that. I grew up with the gutters. I fetched water. I pissed in the gutter. You know what I'm saying? Why did you do that, man? Why did I piss in the gutter? Because I needed to pee. <laughs> this guy, man. Why did I piss in the gutter? I did the. You know the way you do the the, the, the aeroplane and the you try to do loops and shit like that. Because <laughs> we were we were from the we were from the gutter. Like Park said, because I'm from the gutter and I'm still here. And I'm still here. That's the quote, because I can't. And I'm still here. <laughs> that is the quote, bro. That's definitely the quote. But, from the gutter. Have you, ever, have you ever had to go in the gutter? Why would I have to go in the gutter? But funny story, my brothers were fighting. We went to go and cut their hair and they both went in the gutter. <laughs> the women at the house were so kind. They, they gave them a bar. When I got home, when I say I gave them the hotting of their life, embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> me in front of folk. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is wild, bro. There's, there's a couple times we're playing football in Nigeria, and the ball went in the gut. I'm like, throw the whole ball away, man. That that ball does not need to come back. Shut off, bro. Oh, in that sense, I've not had to go in the gutter in that sense, in like inside. But yeah. my ball has gone to go. I've had to go and get it. You just kind of use. Whatever you can to bring it close. Then when you kick it out, you just wash it all up. Bro. 
Right. I don't know. That's, I don't... that's, that's raw living, dog. <laughs> that's typhoid, dog. <laughs> to, to go back to the, to the discussion, it was like, and that, that's why I said that thing where you could be talking to a Nigerian and they will slag off Nigeria. Very useless, no light. Eh, I can imagine that this is... Yeah, please, 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 we are trying. Don't, don't judge us. Like, <laughs> yeah, but bro, that, that defensiveness is part of the issue for real because it's like anytime someone comes with an idea or a suggestion, there is there's that defensiveness comes up. So it's almost like there's everything is set up to stay in dysfunction. Mm-hmm. It, it, because people, as much as people complain, most of the people that you know have these conversations, they, there's something they're enjoying there, and people don't want to give up what they're enjoying. Even if you go to the smallest town, if you say to them, "Look, it's really bad what the politicians are doing, how they steal all the money," blah, blah, blah. they say, "Yeah, it's terrible. Nigeria must change." Okay, next time it's election time and they come around with that little bag of rice or the little mobile phones they're giving out, don't take it from the politicians. Let them know that you're not going to be bribed into voting for them. People are like, come on, man, I have to collect my own, man. That rice is sweet. The rice that they bring at the election time, we need it. So a bit by bit, everyone has a, a stake in keeping things the way they are. And so nobody wants to change anything. Yeah, but that goes, that's just, uh, that's just like... Because the truth is, it's not that they want the rice, it's they need it. I mean, like, you could say that. You need rice. Mm-hmm. Listen, in America, they buy your vote every single which way. We're going to give you health care. Shouldn't you just give me health care? <laughs> you shouldn't have to sell health care to me. I agree immediately. Well, I mean, I, I think it's still better off that way that like they try and get your vote by doing the things that you may need for the society. But rather than not, rather than not building the roads, not giving people healthcare, and then come and give them a bag of rice at election time. That, but that, it's not a simple. That's not why they're giving them a bag of rice, though. Because whether or not they give them a bag of rice, that that election, that vote's getting rigged one way or the other. You might as well get some rice. Because <laughs> what I'm saying is this: imagine refusing rice, and the motherfucker still wants. <laughs> Are you at home hungry, <laughs> making a statement for what? This nigga in there for another 10 years. <laughs> now you need a favor. Mm, you need to take my rice. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got them by the balls, literally. Yeah. You can't, even, you can't even rally in Nigeria. You can't You can't march on the streets. They'll shoot you dead. And no one will. Mm. They're just going to pick up your body. So when you have. When my, like, my, like my dad said to me, Lutio Sophie in Koseche, in a country where there's no law, there's no sin. There's yeah. no law in Nigeria. So the people are trapped by the lawlessness of not just themselves, but of their system. And I think people like it that way, though. I don't think they like it that way. They just don't have a choice. I mean... Eat it, so you join it. No one likes it, but they have to live that way. Like I said, Nigerians are comfortable in chaos. Absolutely. Because they have to be. Yeah. Because they've had to be. They were just... They weren't always like this. But I've I've seen my mum, for example, almost show off at how she's been able to get something done by knowing the right person and slipping them a little bit of money. Okay. I'm saying, and so she takes that as a point of pride that, like, thank God for Nigeria, where you can get stuff done. You can do but, that as well, though. You can pay someone money and you will get shit done. What you think? But, if you have zoning plans for your building, you don't have to pay people off. I'm saying here in the UK, you you not just pulling or got to the side and sliding them. You know, you a little that? change. It you, you know, you've never been in that position. There's bribery and every... Look at Grenfell when it fell. Why do you think he had to roll? 
Motherfuckers were bribes went left, right, and center to get that building up. It was how did they get those um papers confirmed that it was fireproof? It's bribery. Yeah, I'm saying to you that that is the the rate at which and the way in which bribery is done. It's done at a very high level in this country, but like I'm talking about, I need to flip in, go into the council and you know get them to issue me some document that I need. Mm-hmm. At that level, you're still having to pay bribes. I don't have to. I don't have to pay bribes to do that in credit. But in Nigeria, you do. So th- that's my point. I'm saying that. My mom doesn't like it. She had. Thank God she has someone she knows. Otherwise, she don't get that shit done. But that's my point. My mom said. My mom is is celebrating the fact that with you know a bit of change, she can get stuff done at her local council. That I would have to go through hoops to do it properly here to, to be actually get it done. I'd have to go through all these hoops. Yeah, but your mom's not against that system changing. She's not against the system changing. It's just the way the system is. If she doesn't yeah, but... it that way, she won't get shit done. So what I'm saying to you is this. If they change the system where there was actually someone that responded to you within a seven-day window, she would adjust to that. She'd adjust to it, but I think but I, I, it's it's one thing to like function in it. It's another thing to celebrate it. I've functioned in the chaos in Nigeria when I'm in Lagos. I understand certain things need to be done here and there, but I don't celebrate all of the dysfunction. I don't say, oh, thank God for this, or look at how great it is that we can do this. Because I know that fundamentally, the fact that I can do it is a problem. It's wrong. Like, something has gone wrong here. And so I think, you know, there's an element to which you, if you like really I wanted said, things to change, you wouldn't celebrate it. Like I said, though, in, the Lord, where there's no, in this country, there's no law, there's no sin. So there is no wrong. There is no wrong because the truth is, I lived in Nigeria for six years and I watched the school system break down from where if you wanted to, back in the day, Nigeria used to pride themselves when you do an exam, the highest kids in the, in the country go to the best schools. That's how they dished out the schools. You something there was a pride in that. I'm on King's College because you've got the highest ranking. But then it became a thing where rich people wanted their kids who are stupid, dumb kids, all of those to go to these schools. Right? Like, you don't yeah. want these traditions. Money becomes, you know, greed. Money is it's greed. It's, yeah. it's, it's all, it happens all over here. In this country, the schools with the <laughs> with the special needs, they get great funding. Mm. Right? They get good funding. So what yeah. do you need for your school? You, you, you need special needs kids. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? If, if I went to a school where it's already planned, most of y'all are not going to make it. Okay? But we've got a good bus and course good hair you know hair and beauty why don't you learn how to do plumbing which is fine because if you can open your own plumbing business you can make your money all mm-hmm. i'm trying to say is i watched that system deteriorate yeah. and no one stopped it and then it leaked into every facet of the society mm. to the point where if you just want contracts have been given up for the road and motherfuckers won't even tie in the roads yeah you see what I mean. i'm saying and because you're you've built this capitalistic greed that American, that, you know, the white person built, then you've now taken it with no structure and no law. <clears throat> yeah. It's just, it's just doggy dog. And so to say, I don't believe, you know, Nigerians like it. I don't think mm. they like it, but I think yeah. it's the only way they're able to survive in it. Yeah. Because whether yeah. you like it or not, you take your family to Nigeria now, you need to make sure they're safe. Yeah, going to rely on on local security on Baba Baba Shion that parades the street every evening. You're not going to do that. You're going to pay someone. 
Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. And you know what? It's so sad because that country is, um, you know, when they say like you're walking, you're a walking dead guy. Yeah. Yeah. Nigeria's a walking corpse, and you know the maddest thing? They don't even know it. Man. That's the maddest thing about it. They don't even know that. We pride ourselves on ex- um, the Anthony Joshua's of this world. That's how great Nigerians can be. But nothing great comes from Nigeria. Wow. That's a big statement right yeah, there, bro. It's there right now. And my dad sent me a video and he goes, it's stressful out there. Motherfucker's been there four days. <laughs> they were driving back. It, it is stressful. Everywhere. It was 6.30. It was pitch black, Ola. This is Lagos. It was pitch black. People were walking on the streets, trailers everywhere. It just looked scary. Yeah. It's still home. It's mad. It's actually mad because <clears throat> even even if you <laughs> if you want to go to Nigeria with a good attitude, even just first of all dealing with the airport, that will stress you out enough. The airport. Yeah. What about yeah. family? Do you know Nigerians don't tell anybody they're coming? You can't. Motherfuckers show up to the airport. I'm going to We heard you are coming. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even tell people you're coming to the country. You just yeah. tell them you're there. Yeah. That's how mad it is, man. That's how sad it is. And you know why it's so sad, Ola, yeah? Mm. Because when I was growing up there, yeah, sometimes you don't even know you're in Nigeria, man. You're just around. Yeah. Your friends, you're having a good time, you're doing faji, you're eating suya, you're going to check girls, you're playing football, you're playing video games, you're just doing what people do, you know? But yeah. they didn't have a plan for us. Mm. That's the sad part. That the country where we belong to doesn't even have a fucking plan for us. The plan yeah. is to leave. That's the plan. Molo Switzerland, Molo Zurich. You imagine I'm watching Nigerian films, I was in Copenhagen, just the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh... Random seas, I don't even, they don't even pop! Oh man. Any, anywhere outside of England is, in, outside of Nigeria is incredible. I was in Compton yesterday. Have you been to Compton? <laughs> it's just so sad, man. Yeah, oh, man. When I heard that it's one pound to 750 Naira, this is, that means I'm going to wipe my ass with Naira. Might as well, bro. Imagine bringing back Naira to the post office the woman just saying, are you a comedian? <laughs> <laughs> bro, it's, it's shocking. It is shocking, man. And if I go and say that on stage, don't don't abuse her upon me. You're abusing your... <laughs> the money's abusing itself. <laughs> <laughs> It's self-mutilation at this point. Like, what are you trying to put? What are you protecting here? Yeah. Yeah, man. For real, you're, you're right. You're right. You can't question Nigerians. You can't tell them the truth. They don't want to hear it. Mm. God can't do it. This is me, yo. If if we're going on that a God can do it type vibe, mm. that means this. If I was Nigerian, this, yo, I don't think God. <laughs> Praying for like four years, and uh, she's just getting worse, bruh. So yeah, bruh, I hear you, man. Let's let's wrap up real quick. Because I came from the gutter, and I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) 
Bruh, that's such a good quote, man. I even want to end it on, like, you know, that kind of, you know, whatever. But sometimes I think about it, you know, and I just think to myself, how much, how different would our lives be if we didn't get colonized by the British? If we were able to pursue our own destinies, like the Chinese or the Singapore or the Americans or the British themselves or the Germans or the French? What if we were allowed to just, you know, build our nations and be proud of where we came from? have our own um, version of movie stars and whatnot, or not, whatever it is we were good at, whatever it is we create, how mm. would we want the thing, or how would we be as people, you know? If we weren't scattered around the world, continuously serving in countries that don't even want us there. I think, you know, I think for me, the question is, it's not so much what if we weren't colonized, but what if we, what if we actually related with the countries that we relate with on mutually respecting terms. Because every country is influenced by other countries. But if at least you're trading, if at least you're like, look, I got some spices, you got some, uh, you know, timber, let's do some trading, blah, blah, blah. Then at least you have a chance to build and grow in a way that you take what you want for yourself, you give what you can, and everybody appreciates. But that's talking about human beings without flaws though. You're talking about an idealistic human being, which is the no such thing. You have to talk about humans with flaws. Because well, they, I'm, I'm saying them from they, the beginning. They came with good intentions, but then they realized we can get better. And they did what human beings did. You take advantage. Yeah, so but... about the mutual respect. I don't, I don't need... Well, I don't need mutual respect. I need to respect the team. Like, America and England, the only reason they don't fight is because, look, so we'll kill each other. So let's be friends. But we don't have to respect each other. England, the Germans don't necessarily like the English. What is it? They want disrespect. You understand? But yeah. Africa, oh, we can disrespect them. What are they gonna do? <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That, that's that is that is that's that's the element I would probably be more interested to see is what would happen if we just if rather than come and take the human beings and take the resources, what if we traded with it? And what if, you know, we were able to, you know, use some of the Western inventions like planes and whatever and we had a chance to develop our own technology that we handed to the world. You know, let's say we, 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 we would have been able to develop. I don't even think it's Western technology that developed planes. We would have developed planes if we went in chains. Who knows, man? You develop a plane when you have when you have time on your hands. It's hard to develop a plane when you have to pick cotton. So I don't even think it's down to Western inventions. It's just down to the fact that you had the time. You weren't halted. Your your destiny wasn't disrupted. Disrupted. Your destiny wasn't according to how you saw them. We were led by these people, by the West. We are the leaders and you are the followers. So there was no reason for us to say, well, let's invent something. Because even if we did, you wouldn't get the credit for it because niggas can't invent. So it's not as if, you know, these are Western inventions. These are things that can happen if people are afforded the opportunities. There's a, look at the kids in Nigeria that are making films that George Lucas called them. Yeah. Their creativity is next level. But because they come from a country that's on crack every day, they don't see the, they don't get funding. England will fund a kid who wants to make pipes out of straws. There's funding for that. <laughs> the guy that will give you two grand for that. In Nigeria, there's no funding for nothing. So everything, it's not even, God gave us everything we have, a brain and a body. He gave everybody the same thing. Nobody got more, nobody got less. I think but we let him no. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think some people got more. Yeah, some people got more. Some people got more. <laughs> you know, you know, when I say more, yeah. 
we didn't get more. We didn't get more than the body we had. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. The abilities, yes. Yes. Yeah. But the body and the brain, the same. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's what you do with it. Yeah. 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 Although I don't know, maybe some people are born slow. I don't know, man. I don't. Know. I, I think so, bro. <laughs> I think some. I think some people like if everyone decided to become a comedian, I think you would get out ahead of some other people just naturally because of your gifting. And I think, and I think, I, it's, I, I, I'm not talking about the talent now. I'm just talking okay. about the brain as a as a base, as okay. a thing that can, you you can use to you know, okay. yourself, and the body you're given that you can use to walk and talk and all that stuff. Mm. I think we're all equal on that front. I mean, I, okay. I, think, I think I think some people yeah, are born. Some <laughs> all yeah. right. What I mean is, okay, we've all got the same time. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I just scaled that all the way back. <laughs> let, me, let me try the time angle. What I'm essentially trying to say is, um, I believe there's greatness from everybody. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But we live in a world where human beings, you know, greed, yeah. power, control, it's just, it just corrupts everything, you know? Yeah. And there's some people you just never really fully see what they're capable of. Just because, right. look, because of look, circumstances. Look at yeah. Afrobeats right now. Come on, man. I'm watching, be- I'm watching random shows. Only the last time. Afrobeats game! You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because people want to be it. Yeah. And people want to be African. And it's such a shame because it's always white people that discover it first. Because white people start picking up. Because you know, white people like to go to the source to source. Yeah. You know, they, you know, white people get to Africa, they take off their shoes. Why are you taking off your shoes? <laughs> My friend, she said she went to Nigeria. She climbed a mountain of the where mommy, thingy, thingy, prayed for her. This is me. You let a woman on the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> You need to go and break every curse you done laid into your life. <laughs> you know, if you told your mom, I'm going to the moving to pray for you. No, 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 no. Nobody's praying for you. I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> oh, snap. Bro. Let's, let's actually wrap up this time. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was funny, though. Um, yeah, yeah. So, bro, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for, for rocking with us. Um, at Fumbi on Mataya on Instagram, at Fumbi on Twitter. I'm from the gutter now, bro. I'm from the gutter. And I'm still <laughs> Hashtag the gutter. Um, and yeah. Know, I, now the biggest handle from the gutter. <laughs> Location, the gutter. God damn, Park. Can't you just be light? <laughs> if Park was on Twitter now, man, it, the game would be so wild, bro. You know what though? I think you. I think we forget. I think Park would have matured so much. Remember, we're thinking of him as twenty-five and not as fifty. Yeah, be, true. You know, so we we forget that he'd have been thirty, and thirty-five, and forty. And I think he would have, if he was allowed that lifetime, I think he'd have been a different person completely. Oh yeah, possibly. So we're still thinking uh, yeah. of Tupac at tw- between seventeen and twenty-five. Now that Tupac, he'd been blocked from Twitter at least two times. <laughs> Tupac would have been blocked from Twitter, yeah. First tweet back. Fuck you, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> First tweet back. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. At yeah. all of the comedian on everything that's on neighborhood. So, that's on gutter. That's, that's on gutter. Junior wine's off the. Junior wine's off the hook. I'm from the gutter now. <laughs> I like that actually. I really like that gutter, and I'm still here. I'm still here. 
Um, so yeah, guys, please keep rocking with us. Shout out to the BQ squad. Listening to the BQ pod. We out. We out.